On podcast 1849, Tesla's NACS adopted by Electrify America, Polestar, and maybe Volkswagen? Stick around, I'll tell you more. Also on the podcast today, we'll talk about why Tesla chargers have topped a new survey by JD Power. We'll talk about Germany providing more subsidies for EV charging. Aston Martin's connection with Geely to bring their cars to market sooner. And we don't talk about Suzuki too much, do we? But a new EV from them to have a look at. Well, we're trying a new thing, so you know when to expect a show. We go live at 5pm UK midday Eastern. Patreon supporters get the episodes as soon as they're ready and ad-free. Be like them by clicking on a link in the show notes. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for Thursday, sorry, Friday, 30th of June. That's right, last day of the week. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story, so you don't have to. Um, Patreon supporters, look out for your refund for last month, because I was away unexpectedly, and I feel bad taking your money if I didn't do the show. And I'm going to add in a free month for July, so I'm going to pause credit card or bank card payments from the 1st of July, so you won't get billed either to make up for it, because I just feel bad that I couldn't be here. All right, by the way, uh, I've put the show back on YouTube, but what with YouTube being what it is, I'm going to try and keep it to 10 or 12 minutes. This podcast, of course, can be 20 or 25 minutes. And so, I don't know, I've had people email me over the last 24 hours to say, hey, can you make it the same audio on both? So I, you know, if I'm on YouTube or podcast, I just know that that is EV News Daily. And if I'm, you know, have the video on or not, I don't know. Okay, well... Let me think about that. I've had other people say, hey, I like I like the podcast being a little bit longer. You know, YouTube seems rushed all the time, but that's that's the YouTube algorithm. So I, I don't know. Let me know your thoughts and I'll try and at the minute, YouTube's doing its own thing. And here on the podcast with you, it's a slightly longer thing where we get into the stories in more depth and more detail. Um, I don't know what to do, but there we go. Uh, let's start with Polestar joining Tesla's NAX, NACS, North American Charging Standard. Uh, Polestar, the Swedish EV maker, of course, sister company to Volvo, has announced that they will adopt Tesla's NACS for their EVs. It will allow Polestar drivers in the US and Canada to access the supercharger network from 2025. All new Polestar vehicles sold in North America will come with a NACS charging port on the side of them. For existing Polestar drivers, the company will provide adapters from 2024 to enable them to access the supercharger network. They don't want anyone to feel that they've bought a Polestar vehicle with the CCS1 plug-on, and they're being left out in the cold. So the Polestar CEO, Thomas Ingenlath, praised Tesla's pioneering work in promoting the adoption of EVs and expressed his excitement about the supercharger network being made available to Polestar drivers. You know, for anyone who is not a Tesla driver, this is increasingly good news, isn't it? Having access to that supercharging network is just so good. But to ensure compatibility with the existing infrastructure over the next couple of years, Polestar vehicles will come with a CCS adapter. Now, Polestar currently sells the Polestar 2 in North America, and it has three more in the pipeline, the 3, the 4, and the 5. The Polestar 3, well, that's an SUV, and that will start shipping early next year to US buyers. The Polestar 4 is a coupe SUV that comes later next year. And the Polestar 5 is a big saloon uh, sedan. That's going to be a rival to the Tesla Model S that comes again at the end of next year. So really busy pipeline of new products coming from Polestar. Of course, we mentioned yesterday Volvo 
adding NACS Connector. We know Ford, GM, Rivian, and more. Uh, Mercedes-Benz are expected to announce soon. Stellantis, I would think, would be... Uh, maybe they don't sell many cars there, so but they're going to have to at some point. Uh, and, of course, Hyundai... I would say, because Hyundai Kia Genesis do sell a decent number of cars there. They would should do an announcement, I would think, pretty soon. What about some of the big German ones, though? Well, Volkswagen, according to Autoblog website, is in discussions with Tesla to adopt the standard. This would allow VW uh, to fall in line, if I, if I may use that phrase, with everybody else. Volkswagen sold nearly 16,000 EVs in the US in the first quarter of this year. And for now, it's continuing to sell cars with the CCS connector. Um, Plug, I should say, or socket really, isn't it? And we'll wait and see. Volkswagen would be a really big one. Not just because of the sheer numbers they they sell, but because they, they are making cars in the US and it's just a big German name who who of course own the Electrify America network. But what about Electrify America? Well, Electrify America have now confirmed that they will adopt NACS, the second largest EV fast charging network in the US, announcing it will add Tesla's connector to their charging stations. The move is part of the broader trend in the industry to move over at what is a rapid pace, let's face it. They will add Tesla's connector to their existing chargers and all future ones as well. Electrify America operates 800 DC fast chargers with 3,600 plugs across uh, the uh, the nation. And they'll be adding the Tesla connector. But in what numbers? Well, we'll wait and see. Electrify America will not drop the CCS connector for now because, of course, all the cars on the road use it. And other automakers will also want Electrify America to continue to use those CCS plugs. And every driver listening to this in, in the US will, will say, look, we just need CCS to continue. Let's not drop it overnight. Tesla owners are like, well, you know, do, do what you want. But in all seriousness, like the, the, the pace of the shift has been brutal. It's surprised me how quickly everyone's announced uh, the move over to the Tesla connector. But... Everyone who's spent their own money on a CCS car will be saying, well, hang on a minute. Let's just make sure that we're catered for. Blink Charging has announced that they will integrate the NACS connector into their entire product range. Uh, That, though, is going to happen very quickly. They'll start producing NACS chargers in October this year and integrate it into their Level 2 AC chargers as well. Now, let's talk uh, a little bit about a JD Power study. This is interesting. According to a study by J.D. Power, Tesla's chargers are more reliable than those of its competitors. You know that, I know that, but now the numbers once again back it up. Tesla vehicle owners reported the highest satisfaction rate, scoring 734 on a 1,000-point scale. The average, though, was 558. Tesla's supercharger network has 19,500 ports across the U.S., the largest EV charging network in the United States. In comparison to uh, to that, those that use the CCS standard, there's about 11,500 DC fast chargers with that plug-on uh, around the US. The report highlighted that Tesla has the largest, most reliable fast charging network. 
The JD Power report also emphasised that resolving charging issues was a crucial part of the transition to electric vehicles and the lack of public charging infrastructure until now has been a really big barrier to EV adoption with concerns about range, charging time and the inability to charge on reliability. Hopefully this move to Tesla's technology uh, resolves a lot of that. All right, moving on, let's talk the Chevrolet uh, Silverado EV. Now, when we first heard about this vehicle, this truck was going to be a $40,000 truck. No one believed that, but it got the headlines. Well, it turns out we were right not to believe it because Chevy's announced the base model of the Silverado EV will start not at $40,000, but $50,000. What's ten grand between friends? It was never going to come in at forty. let let's be honest. But uh, they announced it, they got the headline, not the, last, the first or last company that will issue something that they then walk back. Uh, the company, uh, the, the the announcement comes after the company surprised many by revealing that the, the top tier, the 4WT, so WT work truck, the number four stands for the big battery and the, uh, the 400 miles of range, 450, I think, uh, is going to be $80,000. Now, the 4WT, so the big battery work truck, 4WT, uh, does arrive this year. Then it will be followed by the 3WT, three so 350 miles, but also the work truck. These models only available to fleet customers. You've got to have like a fleet registration, I think, with, with them in order to even get it. Early next year, they'll expand the options for the retail customers, the company offering trucks starting from 50,000, like I say, up to 80,000 and even beyond, you would think. So let's talk a little bit about uh, charging here in Europe. Let's actually, no, let's take a quick break. We'll take a quick break and a reminder that our Patreon supporters get these episodes ad free. And as soon as they're ready, by the way, I get them up on Patreon. Uh, but if you want, want to avoid the ads, you can sign up. Like the lowest tier is to, as, a, as a producer, $5 a month. Most people pay more, um, but, uh, but any amount would really help get this show on the air and you get to avoid the ads as well thanks for all of our patreon support we couldn't do it without those people back in a sec all right welcome back let's talk germany and germany plans to allocate 900 million euros that's about a billion dollars in subsidies to expand ev charging for households and companies as well germany is europe's largest economy and it has around 90,000 public charging ports at the moment the goal is to increase it to a million public chargers sorry points that's not necessarily a charger i need to be careful uh by 2030 as of the end of april the last numbers i've got germany had about 1.2 million full evs on the roads the target is 15 million full evs by 2030 the transport ministry will launch two programs to assist in private households and companies that establish a charging station um, starting this autumn with 500 million euros in subsidies uh, with the uh, the initial aim, I think, being the residential buildings. As long as you own an electric car, any of my German listeners, if you own an EV already, that is what makes you eligible to get some of this funding. Then next year, they had 400 million euros for companies who wish to build charging infrastructure for any commercial cars and commercial trucks. This is on top, of course, of the 6.3 billion euros they approved last October to increase the number of EV charging stations over the next three years. 
Let's talk batteries and LG, LG Energy Solution. Well, that's a spin-off of LG Chem, expanding its main plant in Michigan, Holland, Michigan, to meet the growing demand for EVs. The company's investing $1.7 billion in a massive plant, 1.7 million square foot addition to the plant. Now, what that will do, well, that will allow their production to go from 5 gigawatt hours at the minute, that's an annualised production, so 5 gigawatt hours of batteries, which is what it's big enough for at the moment, to 25 gigawatt hours. It starts to get really chunky now. The expansion will be completed by next year, and the production of lithium-ion batteries for EVs will then go into production in this new part of the facility, April 2025. They're also building a facility in Arizona. It's Queen Creek, I think. And they've got joint ventures. So LG are working with, obviously, General Motors, uh, but also Honda and Hyundai and Stellantis in the U.S., LG will add a 1,000 jobs and hold, uh, they say, weekly open interviews from July the 6th to try and get as many people involved as possible. The expansion is supported by the states there uh, with uh, $10 million from the Michigan Business Development Program and another $10 million as a grant from a jobs program. So many areas are desperate to get these really decent future jobs into their areas and offer all sorts of incentives. Now... Let's talk a little bit about the rumoured Model 3 refresh or update, whatever you want to call it. I mean, there's stories flying around about this every day, and I don't report on it every day because, well, they are just rumours. So many of these reports three months ago said they'd be on the road uh, by now. So you've got to take some stuff with a pinch of salt. But this one looks like it's got a little bit more substance to it. The new Model 3, which would be initially produced in China, is now expected to use the new type of lithium-ion phosphate, or LFP, chemistry from their supplier, CATL, the world's biggest EV battery maker. Uh, They're called M3P cells, and that doesn't stand for Model 3 Performance, which Tesla fans think it would do. Um, The change will probably increase the size of the battery pack as well. They'll likely increase it from 60 kilowatt hours to 66 kilowatts hours. And the new battery packs from CATL will also be used in the Model Y. Production of the updated Model 3, uh, you might know it's called Highland as the code name, is now expected sometime Q3 this year. That could be around September. Uh, Tesla have already begun the big process of modernising their Giga Shanghai factory. They did that earlier in the spring to make the updated Model 3 later this year. That's all about reducing costs, reducing manufacturing costs, and in hopefully increasing the appeal, at least for Tesla, increasing the appeal of the Model 3, which hasn't changed since 2017. It's a really old vehicle now. But honestly, when I see them around, when I drive a Model 3, it's it's like when I drive a Model S. It still feels like it's the future. It's like driving a BMW i3. I get in those and I think, well, this still feels like the future. And so uh, in addition to the Model 3, Model Y should be upgraded as well. But that's a 2024 upgrade project. Juniper is, uh, is that one. All right, let's talk about a possible battery technology that could end up in in Tesla's. This one is a little bit more out there, by the way, so we won't go too deep into it. But there reports coming out that Tesla is looking at StoreDot. Now, StoreDot's an Israeli company, and I've talked a lot about them. They have extreme fast-charging battery technology. It's not ready at scale now, but their batteries are with car makers already for you know bench testing, if you like, for want of a better word. Uh, their batteries are already out there, out there. They're being validated in vehicles. I think in, in test vehicles, I think they're at that stage now. They use 30 amp hour pouch cells, and these pouch cells, dubbed XFC, extreme fast charging 
batteries have a really fast rapid charging capability, very high energy density as well of 300 uh, watt hours per kilogram. They have a roadmap there at StoreDart to be capable of driving or adding 100 miles of charge. And of course, 100 miles is always dependent on the efficiency of the vehicle because 100 miles in a Tesla is not 100 miles in an Audi e-tron, but 100 miles in five minutes. And that's their target for next year. And then they want to add 100 miles in three minutes by 2028 and 100 miles in two minutes by the end of the decade. And they're doing really well at that roadmap. Now, there's so many so many companies in the EV space that talk a good game and never really deliver and end up just, I don't know, bankrupt or administration. StoreDot's not one of them. StoreDot has talked a big game for a long time, but they seem to be delivering from what I can understand of the company. And so Tesla, of course, themselves have their own project going on with their 4680 cells. That wouldn't be impacted by this by this technology. Perhaps this would be for something like the Roadster at Tesla or a, a use case that needed uh, next generation battery technology more expensive to begin with, not for the mass market, but would uh, would certainly give it an advantage. Let's talk about a company that we never really talk about because, well, they don't have any EVs to talk about. And that is the Japanese car manufacturer, Suzuki. They're testing their first global EV and it'll hit showrooms in 2025. It's been spotted in Europe and it will be available as a Japanese, Australian, European model as well. And it's uh, similar to the EVX concept that we saw in India earlier this year, hidden Rear door handles, LED uh, bar across the back of it, big twin widescreen displays in the middle, a two-spoke steering wheel, and a 60-kilowatt-hour battery was mentioned for this concept car uh, more recently. They're aiming for 550 kilometres of range, but of course we don't know what it'll be like when it hits the road, but we will wait and see. Uh, maybe as a 2025, 20, 2026 model year, possibly. So it's a long way off, but good to see Suzuki uh, a Japanese car maker getting on board with electric vehicles. Now, let's get closer to home, or at least close to home for me, and that's Aston Martin, the luxury British car maker, making big changes to their network, their supplier network, to speed up the delivery of electric vehicles. We know they're going to be using that Lucid technology that I told you about recently on the podcast, the motors and the powertrain, the batteries. But a big shareholder in Aston is Geely, the Chinese company behind the likes of Volvo, Polestar, and uh, and more. And so Aston Martin are going to use the supply chains of their major of a major shareholder uh geely they obviously have a lot of experience in making electric vehicles not just in china but outside of china as well with volvo and, uh, and polestar the polestars are made in china gives several advantages to aston martin when you think about it they can leverage all of the geely experience by the way um they can also get that a decent price because they're a shareholder in the company and they can get those to market quicker. That was the point of doing the Lucid deal, right? To acquire the drive units and the battery modules for their, their EVs and not have to sit down and start a 10-year process of developing their own stuff. The involvement of Geely and Lucid will, of course, accelerate the arrival of those Aston Martin EVs and they can hopefully bring one to market by 2025. But uh, yeah, it's a big milestone in the company's history as Aston Martin shifts from combustion power to electric power. Now, let's talk a little bit about uh, Toyota and uh, in a brand loyalty rankings survey by S&P Global Mobility. This new study analysed brand loyalty in the United States. So that's specifically a US survey 
but showed a really significant drop for the Japanese automaker. Now, normally Toyota is up there. And it's one of the reasons why I've said, look, Toyota won't be worried about their non-move to EVs. Toyota, not just in slagging off EVs, uh, but also just not developing electric vehicles. They won't be worried because Toyota has a big installed fan base. Lots of people want to drive Toyotas. And actually, whenever you looked at the brand loyalty, they were always up there at the top. And so they didn't need to worry. They weren't going to go out of business tomorrow. They'll go, Toyota will make, you know, <laughs> it's a jo- obviously a bit of a joke with me these days, uh, how much I dislike them, but um, they'll move to EV when they're ready and it'll all be fine. But will it? Because if their brand loyalty is now tanking, they have to rebuild that. Toyota has slipped all the way to seventh place in the global mobility study. A significant drop. One of the reasons uh, for the fall in the rankings is so many of their customers say that they have switched to companies like Tesla. The percentage of customers who went from Toyota to Tesla uh, went from 2.1 points to 5 points a year over year. Amongst the big car brands, Ford was the highest brand loyalty at 60%, Chevrolet 57%, and uh, Toyota down massively on the same period last year. In the luxury segment, uh, Tesla topped the rankings with a brand loyalty of 68%, almost 20 points above BMW, who came home seconds. I wouldn't put Tesla in the luxury brands category because there's really not anything luxury. Depends what your definition is. I've been lucky to drive some nice cars. Never mind. But I've driven, you know, spent a lot of time in in luxury cars and Teslas aren't luxury. Teslas are mainstream cars. There's no doubt about it. The Teslas are uh, the new Toyota Camry. But anyway, stick them in whatever category you want. Uh, Despite not releasing a new vehicle since the Model Y in 2020. Tesla's brand loyalty is not only stable, it's growing. And that is great news for uh, anyone who uh, who loves you know who loves the company but also wants to see uh, wants to see them make the most of that increasing production capacity. They've got 2 million vehicles a year at the minute, but uh, that is uh, that's going to hopefully go up over the next couple of years with uh, new factories coming online, increasing cars coming out of Berlin and uh, Texas but also when Mexico comes online. Mexico's been delayed a little bit, by the way. Not a massive story. Maybe it'll be an extra year or so to, to bring that online. I'm not sure anything will come online as quick as China did. Um, but uh, that was probably another 2 million vehicles when Mexico is fully built as well. So some serious scale to come from Tesla. And you thought they were doing well already. All right, take a quick break. And I've got two more stories to bring you at the end of the podcast. Stick around back in a sec. Right, a couple more stories. I like these. Uh, first of all, the UK is going to gain its first lithium mine. It's going to be in Cornwall in the southwest to support the EV industry, thanks to a joint venture between a British startup called British Lithium and a French mining company. Well, it's mostly the French mining company uh, called Imaris, I think I would say that. They will extract 20,000 tonnes of lithium ore, expected to employ about 300 people and produce enough enough graded lithium for 500,000 electric cars worth per year. But that is by the end of the decade when they've built it. The UK government wants to create a self-sufficient British battery supply chain to maintain jobs in the car industry. But frankly, I have zero faith in the politicians to do anything but say what is the right thing to say in front of the right microphone at the right time. The actions are I don't see uh, backing up any of the hot air, but there you go. For a long time, the British government have said, oh, we're going to lead the EV industry. 
Are you really? Well, how will you do that? That's nice for you. Uh, the joint venture partner said the mine will meet two-thirds of Britain's battery demand by 2030, which, of course, is when our, still, uh, our target is zero emissions vehicles. All new vehicles must be capable of zero emissions. I haven't said electric vehicles. It could be hydrogen or magic fairy dust, but uh, that's the target. Imris, the French company, uh, which is going to have 80% of the venture. And they said that uh, there's enough in the ground there to, to keep the business going for 30 years. And finally, the next time you order a steaming hot, fresh pizza, just saying that makes me want to eat one right now, um, from your favourite pizza uh, producer of choice. Maybe it's Domino's. Well, Domino's say they're preparing to launch the largest EV pizza delivery fleet in the United States with 1,100 Chevy Bolts being added to their fleet. They'll be used at franchise and corporate stores by the end of the year. And Domino's say that uh, they have a huge interest in electric vehicles because the longer life of those vehicles, uh, the day-to-day life of a delivery vehicle is a lot of stop-start, the zero tailpipe emissions appeals to them, and also the lower average maintenance costs over the life of a vehicle. I, it strikes me all the time when I see anything that stops start. The postal vans, uh, Amazon vans, any of the delivery companies, and uh, anyone almost in like a curbside pickup or delivery. Though it's always a diesel transit van at the minute, and certainly around my area. And it, all of those could be EV so quickly. Not only do they improve the air quality, but it's just that that style of stop start in traffic regen kicks in. It's just a no brainer. Dominoes say that it also helps fleet drivers because more drivers want to work for them because it's cool driving an EV and it opens up more uh, job candidates, they say, who might not even have their own vehicles, which is why Dominoes are going to supply them. And that is your podcast for today. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Yeah, I'd love you to check out the YouTube version, which is about a third of the length of this and uh, really just the highlights. Um, Or maybe we should put both on. Maybe we could put like this version on YouTube with just a logo or a sound wave you know, or something, because I don't want to do half an hour in vision on camera, and uh, that nobody wants that, uh, on, on maybe a, a second channel or something, or a spin-off channel. And well, let me know your thoughts. Uh, you can always email me, uh, hello at evnewsdaily.com, and thanks to our premium partners who get this show on the air every day. Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of The Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley's EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map, and Lease Plan Electric Moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good one. See you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.